0: Um, will you join me in uh, something different? Uh, Revelation, I believe it's uh, chapter 5, just saying holy, holy, holy. Um, the Lord brought holy, holy, holy to me on, uh, on Friday night. Um, I believe it's Revelation 5, the, uh, the kings are casting their crowns in the throne room, at the at the foot of the throne. And, and then it says that over and over and over again, they sing this song. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord all God, all God, God Almighty who was and is and is to come. So if you know that, would you say that with me? If you don't know it, you'll pick it up in a little bit, but I, I just feel led to spend a little bit of time, um, and I'm going to actually turn and look at the cross, because I love the cross, uh, this cross that we have, and I love the, um, the symbolism of it, of what our Savior has done for us, and he's not still on it, he's off it, he's resurrected, praise the Lord, uh, And and then I'm going to raise my hands, and so I'd encourage you to raise your hands, and then just, let's just say this together, let's sing this together. Uh, For a little bit, and I don't know how long it's gonna last so just it might be uncomfortable. So that's great. Let's do it, huh? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty Who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, Who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Hard to imagine that continuing constantly in the heavenly realm. And yet, for us, it's hard to do just for a couple of minutes. Sorry, I'm discerning <laughs> where to go with this. So these these things weren't planned. Not by me at least. We we looked last week in Acts chapter sixteen how important it is. And essential it is for us to be spirit-led. Being spirit-led means that we listen, uh, that we're we're constantly listening, that any moment he could step in and change our direction, give us an idea for doing something different, (laughs) inspire us to, to sing holy, 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 And so we need, I think, to continue to to be ready for him to lead us in ways that make us feel uncomfortable, that maybe bring us to our knees. Being on our knees, it's not comfortable. Uh, Something I haven't done much in my life, but over the last six months or so, the Lord keeps telling me to get on my knees. And every time it's hard, it's not comfortable. I don't want to be in my knees (laughs) not only is it painful because these are getting to be old knees but um it the position is not we're not used to that position as human beings we we like to be in control being on our knees is we're weak we're in a position of weakness But that's exactly, I think, where God needs us, right? And that's what I feel like he's saying to me, Sean, you're still too strong. Let go. (laughs) Get on your knees. You need to be weaker. You need to be more vulnerable. You need to let me lead. Stop thinking that you've got it figured out. Stop thinking that you're smart enough. Stop thinking that you're strong enough. Stop thinking that you can do it. We need to be spirit-led, and spirit-led oftentimes, I think, is against what our our human kind of natural reactions would be, natural choices would be. saw that bit last week, and again, chapter 16, of how God just, how the spirit kept just kind of leading him in different ways and using his plans, but then at the same time, sometimes disrupting his plans This continues in, I think, this reality of spirit-led continues in chapter 17 and 18 of Acts. Matter of fact, my original plan for the book of Acts, as I kind of reviewed it before I began to teach in Acts, was to put these three chapters together, 16, 17, and 18. Because throughout, is there's this spirit leading that's going on. Uh, and then as I kind of got into it, uh, I decided to split them out. and, and and this 17 and 18, there's still spirit leading, but it's leading in a different way. And in, in the previous chapter in 16, it's leading in, in, in his direction, where he's going and who he's interacting with and, and what he's doing, right? You know, these kind of these uh, outward expressions of, you know, actions, right? In 17 and 18, we see the spirit lead in determining and, 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 and uh, uh, kind of tweaking his, his message, his evangelistic maybe strategy, if you will. We see uh, several different churches in this chapter uh, where, where Paul is, is uh, he, he, he doesn't change the, the gospel message, but he changes how he communicates that message. And, and it's really, it actually kind of goes against, in some sense, I think our, our contemporary or at least over the last 50 years perspective, on evangelism. Uh, you know, we kind of have this, this assembly line training for evangelism, right? You know, evangelism training uh, certainly in the past has been a big deal, and in some churches still is a big deal. And, and everybody goes through the same training, and, and they all get trained in the same way of communicating the gospel, And, and, you know, uh, tracks, you know, are one of the, one of the ways I think we see this mostly, you know, these different, you know, four spiritual laws, tracks or whatever it may be. And, and those are great tools. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they're wrong, but it's, it's interesting that, you know, we, we, we kind of want to like, you know, get everybody trained the same way and and maybe there's some diversity in that, but then we send them out with the same kind of strategy in order to be able to evangelize. And, and Paul doesn't do that actually. Paul's approach varies in each city that he goes to. The message is the same, the gospel is the same, Jesus is the same, Jesus resurrected is the same, but the way he kind of communicates it changes. It's Acts 1 uh, Acts 17, excuse me, I'll, I'll read 1 through 4 as the first example. Now, when they had passed through Amphibolus and Apollonia, oh my gosh, Apollonia, oh my, anyway, that word, I'm sorry, my pronunciation sometimes is just brutal. They came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And some of them are persuaded and join Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. So we see here, uh, again, I, I think Paul has a overarching kind of, you know, pattern that he follows. He goes to a city and he goes to the Jewish synagogue. That's where he starts, right? Starts there and, and he begins to talk about Jesus and about the Messiah, right? Because the Jews, Jews were anxious for the Messiah to show up. And so in this particular spot in Thessalonica, he, he really emphasizes, and I think with many Jews, oftentimes he did emphasize that Jesus, the Messiah, had to suffer. Right, because that was a, a big stumbling block for the Jews. Right, the the cross was a stumbling block for the Jews because they thought, no, 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 the Messiah is supposed to come and reign. The Messiah is not going to. He wouldn't suffer and die. He wouldn't hang on a cross. He would. No, that's not what the Messiah would do. The Messiah would come and free us from all of our captivity, all of the you know oppression that we're feeling, and he would allow us to you know to reign with him. That would be the Messiah. So so here we see Paul emphasizing this reality no 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 look looking at the old testament scripture like no no he needed to suffer that this was actually an essential element and this is what he came to do uh, in order to save us that it was through his death on the cross that actually he freed us gave us the ultimate freedom not just from oppression by human beings but oppression by our own sin so we see him in Thessalonica, he starts again in the synagogue, he speaks to the Jews, and he proves, uh, seeks to prove the Messiah came to suffer. And the next little section, in the next city he goes to is Berea. And in Berea, he, does, seems they don't, he doesn't give any details about how he teaches the gospel, but, but it, it seems to be probably the same thing. Goes into the synagogue again, and he begins to teach. And, and there's some assumption that maybe it's the same kind of approach, you know, talking about the fact that the Messiah needed to suffer. But then the next city he comes to is Athens. And let's read a couple of verses in verse 16 and 17 of chapter 17. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons, devout persons, and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. So here in Athens, Paul is uh, recognizing the idols that are all around him and the worshiping of these idols that are going on. And he kind of subtly changes his approach. A- and matter of fact, as we read on, he ends up in the a- Areopagus right? Where this is, a, this is a center where ideas, new ideas, or, or people come around, a bunch of thinkers and philosophers, they stand around and they listen to different people speak about their new ideas of what's going on and what's happening. Happening. and and we see later in the chapter that Paul is at the Areopagus and he's there and he's proclaiming Jesus but he's doing it from a very reasoned philosophical uh, perspective if you read through his sermon and, and this is just a summary of a sermon I should say you know he he likely went on for an hour or two uh, you know you could read Paul's sermon here in, in you know just sh- very short order you know maybe a couple of minutes right uh, and, and, but he had to have preached for a couple of hours probably at least an hour I would think right and going through the whole story of Jesus and, and kind of defending the faith and, and bringing up, uh, you know, a, an intellectual perspective of why Jesus is the unnamed God that they are worshiping. And so his approach is different. I'm not saying that he didn't talk about the, the fact that Jesus suffered, but that wasn't his emphasis. The emphasis was more and the group of people he was with, he was at the intellectual center, and so he's, he's, he's communicating in a different way. The next city we see he comes to is Corinth, and that's in chapter 18. So I'll read a, a, a couple of verses from chapter 18, and then we're going to jump over to 1 Corinthians as well. So uh, 18, 1 to 4, after this, Paul uh, left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife, Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, and he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned it again in the synagogue every Sabbath, and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. Now, it doesn't again say much about the message here, but we know the approach that Paul took in Corinth Because of what he describes in his letter that he wrote to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I think I have it on the screen for you. Uh, We'll read 1 through 5. And Paul says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstrations of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And so here we see Paul's approach was not, a, you know, an eloquence of speech. wasn't an intellectual. Not that what he shared wasn't, you know, had some logic to it, but that that was not his emphasis. That wasn't the that wasn't the way. That wasn't his way to to communicate the gospel to the Corinthian church. No, his 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 his, his, his the way he went about it was through power, through the Holy Spirit coming, through weakness, right, through through allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal himself. And, and to and to do a ma- mighty work in corinth perhaps uh, in in Corinth there was uh, you know there was a lot of worship and a lot of you know sexual depravity in Corinth maybe there was a lot of uh, worship of the demonic in that sense and there was maybe some power that was being exhibited through the demonic realm right and so maybe the Holy Spirit showing power was really necessary to show to the Corinthians that that his God was not a weak God but actually a god who had the power to heal and to destroy and to do all these things right I, I, I we don't know for sure but maybe Maybe that's part of what's going on here. But the main point that, uh, that in, in all of this in 17 and 18 with Paul and these different approaches it, is to highlight the different approaches. That he allowed the spirit to direct him in different ways. I, I like in, in, in Acts 17 in verse uh, 16, I believe it was, where this, his spirit provoked within him. That, that the Holy Spirit was like, you know, take, take a look at all the idols around you. Look, now every city in in, in, in this time, right, would, would have had, you know, Thessalonica would have had idols, right? I mean, Corinth would have had idols, right? So, but here in Athens, the Spirit highlights those idols. And then it changes the way in his approach, Paul's approach of sharing the gospel. I think this points out that there's this reality. And, and I don't think this is going to be a hard one for us to grasp, but the reality is that with the gospel, there is no one size fits all way of presenting it. Evangelism, uh, there is no one evangelism strategy that's the best, right? There's no one way to do it. Like there is no, I mean, literally every time we share the gospel, it should potentially be a little bit different than the last time. Assuming that the one we're sharing the gospel with is different than the person that we shared last time with. The truth about Jesus is always the same. Now, so here's the problem. Sometimes in our creativity, in order to try to, uh, uh, to reach out to people that don't see a need for Jesus, we've watered down the gospel. We've made it so, oh, well, you know, you know repentance, like, eh, it's not really that big a deal. I mean, yeah, yeah, you need to say you're sorry for your sins. You know what I'm saying? We, we downplay sin where, you know, people think that it's, you know, that's a little bit offensive, right? And we get into our world and we, we're afraid to say, hey, you know, that's, that's wrong. And, and matter of fact, you need to repent of that and move on, right? Because, oh, that's kind of offensive. People are going to get upset if I say that, right? No, no, we don't water down the message. That never changes, but our approach I think, should change. I think it sh- often will change, not necessarily every time, but oftentimes. We shift our emphasis in order to fit the cert- situation at hand. We, uh, we, in order to do that as an evangelist, we, we need to understand that like, people are different, that, that we need to get into people's you know, shoes, if you will, like I, I think too, too often we, we stereotype people. And so we approach someone to share the gospel and they look a certain way. And so we say, oh, they probably don't want to hear the gospel. And so we go to someone else. I remember, I remember a while back, uh, back a few months ago, the youth group went to the mall to pass out, you know, scripture verses and stuff. Great time. I went with them. I had the privilege to go, and it was awesome. But, but uh, it, it was funny how sometimes we'd be walking and like, okay, so who should we hand this out to, right? And, and sometimes you're like, oh, not going to go to that person, right, kind of thing. And it's like, wait a second, what are we doing? Like uh, outside appearances, right? Who knows what that person needs, right? What that person's looking for. Uh, and and so, but we, so in order to really share the gospel with someone, we need to live in their shoes. We need to be with them. We need to understand them. We need to know what their struggles are. It, it's not, you know, this is, this is why cold call evangelism is not very successful because it's the same message every time, every door, every person we come in contact with. Now, there may have been a time when it was successful in the past. So I'm not saying like that's always been wrong, but I'm just saying nowadays, I think we've we got to recognize that, you know, that, that same message to every person, no matter who they are, no matter where they're from, it, it's going to, we're going to have a hard time hitting the mark there because each person is different. They've gone through different things. They're struggling with different things. Uh, and and uh, we also need to learn how to, in essence, speak their language. This is what Paul does. Like he, he gets into their, not that he literally speaking their language, but he understands their culture he understands what's going on around them right he understands the kind of the way they think about things so that then he can speak to those things the reality is is that evangelism nowadays needs to i think take on a, 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 a you know a sense of a custom made strategy we're in a world that is still impacted by the industrial revolution and mass production we, we we love to you know we uh, everything around us it seems like is mass produced right these chairs right mass produced right our clothing mass produced i mean it's just the same thing over and over again there's there's no such thing hardly anymore about custom you know materials that we buy uh, uh, our cars custom you know are not custom made they're they're well sometimes we make them custom afterwards right you know we can jack them up or we do different things with them but our cars right i mean this mass production furniture our homes even right uh, 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 the the, uh, the homes that we my house looks exactly like the one next door, right? I mean, this kind of thing. Our appliances, all these things. But we've also done this with people. Our education system, mass production. Everybody goes to the same place. Everybody gets the same curriculum. Everybody gets now, that's changing, right, in our education. It's becoming much more custom-made in our education because we're realizing after you know, maybe 100 years or 200 years of doing this that every kid is a little bit different. And, and, and you know the schools that are able to have the staff and have the ability, or the teachers able to kind of you know change things for each class, each kid. I mean th- that helps each of these kids to grow and to learn and to learn in different ways. It used to be for a long time that a kid would come into. I know for me, like when I came into a class, like it didn't. You know, I couldn't go up to the teacher and say, you know your lectures are really boring. Um, If you just change it, you know, through some illustrations in there, it'd be really fun. It kind of helped me learn a little bit. The teacher would be like, what are you talking about? Like, get out of my class, right? This is the way you got to learn. You got to figure out how to learn from the way I communicate. And there's some truth in that. But custom, right? You know, this is coming. Uh, medical care is the same thing, right? For a long time, it was mass production. Like you just, you know, you go to the hospital, everybody gets treated the same, everybody, you know, whatever, and kind of give them this or that for whatever. And, and, and now it's becoming much more with DNA and stuff, right? So, you know, we're, we're understanding that each body is unique and it's going to respond to medications differently. And we've known this. I mean, it, we've been developing this in the medical world for some time now, but you know, the reality is, is you can't treat every person the same way. Doesn't matter if they come in with the same exact symptoms, their bodies are different and they're going to respond differently. And so we realize that uh, another area I see this, uh, you know, this mass production is, is really welfare in our country, right? Everybody who's homeless goes to the, you know, the, gets the same stuff, gets the same, you know, uh, uh, support and help or whatever it may be. They kind of go through the same system. And, and I think we're realizing, right, especially here in California and in Reading as well, all the homeless people and all this going on, like it's failing. That's not working. And actually, we need to figure out a way to customize the welfare program so that we can get to know people individually. And what does that specific person need? Don't just throw money at it or at them, right? But actually to go, okay, how do we, how do we get to know what their actual needs are? Where are, their weak, what are the, what's going on with them? Is this a mental thing? Is this just a, you know an emotional thing? Is this a spiritual thing? What is going on? And then we can treat that, that welfare issue appropriately for each individual person. I think this is highlight, this idea that, that God uh, is, is able to communicate with us individually and, and wants to individually connect with us. Uh, I just, as I was preparing, I was like, oh my gosh, like Jesus calling his disciples. Like he doesn't use the same method every time. Like he doesn't. Like he kind of, as he's going through, it's different things. So I identified him. Like one time it's like a miracle of fish, right? With, 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 you know, Peter and Andrew and James and John, like, you know, hey, go set out and go, you know, after they've been fishing all day, hey, go out and put your net out there and, and get some, uh, Jesus, we've been, we've been doing this all day, right? And then there's this massive, like, so it's a miracle that some are like, okay, I, I, I want to follow you. Let's go wherever you want to go, Jesus, we're going. Uh, another, you know, Nathaniel, right? In, in John 1, 48 and 49, I, he, Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree. That's what Nathaniel needed, right? He shows up and he like, hey! I don't know about this guy, Jesus, you know, whatever. And then Jesus said, and that whatever it was, Jesus knew, knew exactly what he needed to say in order to get Nathaniel to come and follow. And then uh, also with uh, Philip, we see, uh, you know, Philip comes up to, uh, comes up to uh, in, excuse me, in John 1, 35 and 37. So uh, the, the disciples are, are with John. So Philip is with John the Baptist, I'm sorry. And then, and then Jesus shows up and, and John the Baptist says, behold the Lamb of God, right? And, and, and so Philip goes and walks, uh, begins to follow Jesus. And Jesus turns around and says, what are you seeking? And it's this question that draws, I think, uh, Philip into him. And then Levi, right? It's just a simple follow me. Like, he's walking by, by, by Levi, and he's like, hey, follow me. And he's like, okay, let's go, right? And that's all it took, right? Uh, and, and then there's, others, uh, there's failures as well. Like, uh, there's the guys that come to him, and, and Jesus says in, in Matthew 8, foxes have holes, right? But the son of God does not have a place to lay his head. And those guys, oh, oh. I don't know if I want to follow you if I don't have a place to stay kind of thing, right? And then after that, leave the dead to bury the dead, he says, just after that. And again, the guy's like, oh, wait a second, I got to go bury, I got I to take care of my, my, my family member here. And then finally, uh, the rich young ruler, like, comes, he's like, hey, I'll, I want to follow you, Jesus, what do I got to do to be saved, right? And goes through the, you know, the, the, the law a little bit, and then he says, give all you have to the poor. And the rich young ruler, of course, says, "Oh, that's too much." But in every scenario, it's different. Jesus is treating each person that comes to them, to, comes to him, that wants to follow him, with a different answer, a different question, a different response, a different way to approach him, because he knows every one of us individually, personally. He knows what we need. He knows what we're thinking. He knows what's going on in our heart, and he knows the question that we that needs to be asked. He knows the the word that needs to be spoken in order to kind of put us in that point of decision where, yes, we'll follow, or, oh, no, that's too much. This is Jesus. And if we are followers of Jesus, then we have his spirit, and we can evangelize in the same way. We can call people to Jesus in the same way. Our evangelism needs to be custom-made for each individual. It starts with a custom-made invitation. We read Psalm 139, 1-4 at the beginning of the service. Jesus knows us. He knows the words we're going to speak before we speak it. Matthew 6, 7, and 8, and I think I have this on the screen for you as well, but this is the the passage about uh, prayer, right? And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as Gentiles do. Boy, I think we do this a lot, actually, as Christians today. We just say the same thing over and over again. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you even ask. Like, He knows us, and so the invitation evangel the invitation to come to Jesus is always one that should be personal as we, uh, you know, evangelism training, I think t- for today, in my opinion, you know, I've kind of I've bashed evangelism training a little bit, like saying like, well, you don't need evangelism training. And, and I don't think we do. I think we've leaned too heavily on that as a church. Like there's too many in the church and Christians who think, well, I, I, I can't be, I can't go and share my faith because I, I've not been trained. I, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to, I, I wouldn't know. I don't know enough about the Bible. All these kind of excuses we come up with. And, and I'm sorry, I, just let me just say this very clearly again. And I think I've said it before, but if you follow Jesus, So that means you think he's savior and Lord, right? So that means you're going to follow him wherever he leads. So so if you're going to follow Jesus, you need to understand that Jesus is always pursuing those who don't know him yet, haven't bowed their knee to him yet. Always, always. So if you're following Jesus, what's going to happen? You're going to be running into people who don't know him, that he has brought you there on purpose in order to share his love with them. We are the body of Christ. We are going to be doing the things that Jesus is doing. Jesus is always pursuing the lost, and so we should be as well. So, so uh, evangelism training, so we, we, we use that as an excuse, but I don't think we need evangelism training, but I do think we need maybe this. We need to, uh, uh, to learn to listen and obey. We need to learn to listen and obey. Listen, be able to discern when God is speaking so that when you walk up to give a sermon and the Lord says, do something really crazy and have everybody, you know, and get down your knees and do this holy, holy, holy thing that you just, okay. Whether that was God or not, I don't, I don't, I think it was that, that thought came to me. It was connected to Friday, right? So I did it right. But are, are we listening? Do we hear that? So it's listening piece. Maybe some of us hear it, but then, you know, the fight within me is to obey, the fight within me was just to come up and start preaching because you guys don't want to do this. This is going to be weird and awkward for everybody, and I don't want to put you through that. And so I'm just going to get up and preach because that's what you're expecting me to do is get up here and preach, not do this weird thing where you're saying, holy, holy, holy Lord, God almighty, right? right? So, so it's not just listening. It's also obeying. And this is evangelism. Evangelism is not about having the right tools. It's not about having all the education and our brains filled with scripture. All of those things help. All those things aren't bad necessarily, but that's not what evangelism is. Evangelism is about following Jesus where he's going. And when he speaks, we say what he tells us to say, or we do what he tells us to do. He knows this person that we're talking to better than anybody in the world better than they know themselves. He knows exactly what's happened to them before we showed up to have that conversation. He knows all of the years before and exactly all the things that have been going on, all the struggles. And then when we get some weird word that comes to our mind that we should speak out to this person, we go, no, that's too weird. There's no way. Wait, stop. What are we doing? Why are we we just throwing away weird words? If it's a weird word, let's put it this way. You didn't think of it. (laughs) It's a weird word. So speak it right? And it's that weird word that's going to have the impact. It's going it's to, they make that connection point with that individual where they all of a sudden go, oh my gosh, he sees me. Not me, but Jesus sees me. So evangelism training isn't about being trained with tools and be able to share our faith. It's about learning to listen and obey. And we should be doing that as Christians constantly. Every day. I mean, that should be something that's been developing in us every since the day we gave our life to Jesus. The best strategy for sharing our faith, again, is just listening and obeying whatever Jesus says. And it starts with prayer. We, we have to start with prayer. I talked to, uh, 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 this earlier in the summer about prayer walking. Like, like... If, if you want to be an evangelist, if you want to be able to share your, maybe you don't like the term evangelist. If you, want to, if you want to be someone who is multiplying the kingdom of God, who's building the kingdom of God, then it starts with prayer. You have to be praying about it. Like, Lord, help me to see the people around me that you're drawing me in, that you want me to connect to. Help, help me to know the problems that are there. Help me to understand them. Help me develop a relationship with them. Help me to, to know, right, what's going on around me. Uh, help me to know my neighbor's. Like walking through our neighborhood and praying. Like we, we, as we do that, he's going to give us things to pray for houses. Like that's weird. I'm not going to pray that. That's weird. No, pray it. It's weird. Again, you didn't think of it. So you pray it out, right? And so as you walk, you pray the things that he brings to your mind. Those things that come out. You know, it's amazing how when we begin to, to really listen, how our prayers begin to change. Because we stop just praying and r- wrote. You know, the, the prayers that we used to, we've always prayed, you know, we sit down, you know, for a meal and it's the same prayer every time, right? And those aren't bad, don't get me wrong, but we, we know when we really begin to listen and are hearing the Spirit because our prayers begin to change. We start saying things that we never said before in prayer. We start praying not this stuff that's different, Right? And so if your prayers are filled with just routine and the same thing over and over again, just recognize that, okay, you're not, maybe you're not listening enough. Maybe you need to fine-tune your mind and, and, and resist the, the rote prayer and say, Lord, give me new prayers. Lord, help me to understand what's going on. Help me to see. Help me to hear your voice so I can pray differently. So evangelism always starts with prayer. And then the next step is simply knowing the person, getting to know them. Again, breaking down the stereotypes, you know, if he calls you to, 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 to connect with somebody that is way outside of your comfort zone, like, tear down the stereotypes. If God is calling you to that person, it's because they're actually, even though they may look very different than you, they probably aren't that different from you. But it just looks like they're different. And so, have the courage to go up to whoever it is, even if it seems unsafe, even if it seems ridiculous, even if it seems like kind of wild and crazy, that we would listen and then we'd get to know them personally, get to know them, walk in their shoes, learn to speak their language, right? What is their life about? What are the struggle points? What are the things that are, they're fighting with? What, are the, what, are the, what, what has their life been like? What are their hopes and dreams for the future? Learn all of those things by asking questions over and over and over again and listening to the answers, but also listening to the spirit for the questions to ask. One time I was at a YWAM base doing a teaching, a DTS teaching for a week, and, uh, and I was sitting at, at, uh, at lunch with one of the students, and, and I love to always try to get to know each of the students differently. Well, anyway, so I'm sitting down with this. I'd never met this gal before. I didn't. I mean, I knew her name. I don't remember her name right now. Maybe it's Katie. Whatever. We'll use Katie. So I was like sat down with Katie, and, and, uh, and we just began to talk, and she began to share her life a little bit. And then, like young gal, like 20-some years old, whatever, and then I feel like the Lord gives me this question. He says, ask her about her boyfriend. I'm like, that's not appropriate, God. <laughs> I am a 50-year-old man, and I should not be asking if she's dating someone right now. <laughs> right? Because she has not said anything about a boyfriend. She has not mentioned it at all. Right? I mean, it's not like, this is not appropriate, and I do not know her. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, and she gets done with her staring, sharing her story, and this says, so, do you have a boyfriend? <laughs> right? It's so awkward, right? And they, literally, immediately, like tears well up in her eyes. And I'm like, oh my god, gosh, God, you're amazing, right? Because there was an issue there and he wanted to speak to it. And he wanted her to know that he, that he saw what was going on. So, so even in the conversations that we have, that we'd be listening and, and those crazy questions that come up that we just ask it. Like say, I, maybe you need to kind of, I'm sorry, this may sound a little inappropriate, but I, I just feel like I'm not to ask this question, right? So we have a custom invitation to jesus but we also need to again i think understand that he gives us custom directions as well the way that he leads someone else is not going to be the way he leads you leads me right we're all different And, and i think you know the 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 danger of me sharing my experiences and how god speaks to me right the danger is that you think that has to be exactly the same And, and and there might be some similarities right but but understand that he knows you he knows you perfectly he knows exactly how to communicate with you in a way that you'll get it the only question is are you listening Right? I think God ta- oftentimes will be speaking to us for years and years and years, but we're just closed off to it. We're not open to it. We're not listening. We're just kind of going about our life and doing our thing, but we're, we're not really seeing it. And if we would just get to that point where you say, okay, Jesus, I believe that you're speaking. Help me to hear what you're saying. If we open up our hearts and our minds, and I know for me, uh, for a long time, he had to speak in a certain way. And if he didn't speak that way, then he wasn't speaking. And he just keeps blowing that up. Especially this year. It's like, there's no, I don't, don't limit the way I can communicate to you, Pastor Sean, or P. Sean, if you'd like. Be open to all the ways, and, and that's for all, you know, that we would be open to God speaking in different ways. It's, it's my belief, if we are open to God speaking in any possible way, then he can, and he will. Because we will be able to listen and hear it. We're ready for it. So understand, even in the moment when you're in this evangelistic conversation and sharing your faith and, and, and seeking to, to join Jesus and building his kingdom, that it's not just that he knows the person we're talking to perfectly, but he knows us perfectly. And he will speak to us in ways that we can hear him. We just need to listen. And as he speaks, then we just obey. Listen and obey. All right, worship team wants you. Come on up. I think um, we are, uh, for a long time, I've said this so many times, but you know, again, the the Lord is moving in, in, in profound ways right now in our world, and he's been doing so in our church. And so, you know, I just find this message about evangelism and, and custom-made evangelism to, to be important for us because we, you know, the church for a long time has hired people to be the evangelists, right, in the world. And and the church has for a long time operated with a very top-down kind of perspective of leadership that, you know, the people at the top are the ones who do all the stuff. But it, that is not, you know, we. The, the priesthood of all believers, you know, this is what uh, one of the one of the verses that launched the reformation you know some 500 years ago right well that they didn't take it far enough the priesthood of all believers is an equalization of the church a decentralization of the power and the authority there are no such thing as those who are evangelists now there's some who are gifted to be evangelists don't get me wrong but all of us We are following Jesus, and Jesus is always pursuing the lost. If we are his body, we'll be doing what he is doing individually and corporately. And so for us to recognize that evangelism is not about us getting trained in tools. Tools are great. I'm not saying we shouldn't be trained in those things. But don't think that because you don't have those things that you can't share the love of Jesus with somebody. Matter of fact, we should be walking with boldness whether we feel prepared or not that if he leads us to somebody to share the love of Jesus with that we just open our mouth and share it. Whatever comes to our mind because he is, we're spirit led because he can communicate to us in a way that we understand and he will give us the words and he'll give us the actions in order to communicate the gospel message to this person perfectly for that personal person who needs to know Jesus. And then they get to choose. Maybe it's going to be a rich young ruler, and they're going to say, nope, that's too much, and I'm out, and that's okay. Or, I mean, we don't want that, but that's okay. Or, they're going to be like Levi, and all we've got to do is say is follow Jesus, and they're like, I'm in, let's go. Right? So church, continue. He's preparing us to reap a harvest. But we can't participate in reaping the harvest unless we're willing to listen and obey. All right, let's stand and continue in worship. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us and we thank you that you do know us personally and individually uh, we each have a unique relationship with you and that you have a unique way of communicating to us Lord, we thank you that uh, that uniqueness is beautiful it's good it's powerful it's uh, given to us by you you've created us that way And and we thank you that you uh, uh, not just know us uniquely and personally, but that you respond to us and connect with us in that way as well. And Lord, that we would have confidence as your children, as those who are following Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, as the body of Christ, Lord, that that we would have confidence that you uh, can communicate to us exactly what the person that we're sharing Jesus with needs to hear ask the exact question that they need to to be able to respond to but we thank you that uh, you can do that and I pray that you would help us just to build our trust in that Uh, Lord that you would spark uh, in us new prayers and that we would begin to pray for the lost, that you would deepen that passion for us, that, that we would have a hunger and desire to, to be able to, to follow Jesus in pursuing the lost around us, those in our neighborhood, those in our family, those in our places of work, those, those in our communities around us, Lord, that we would continue to, to, to just, that you would build that passion in us, in our heart for us, Lord. So thank you. We, I pray that you'd give us a, a bunch of examples or an opportunities this week, a, a bunch of uh, uh, things that would just happen uh, that are based, you know, just right out of what happens today, Lord, that, that we would uh, sense you calling to, to do things that, that are kind of weird and outside of the box for us or different than what we're expecting. But, uh, but with that, you, you will follow that up with the courage to follow you and obey you in that. And that then we, Lord, would be able to see the result. Lord, that you would, that your spirit would work uh, 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 do a work in that person to bring them into your kingdom and that we would have the joy of being able to participate with you in that and all that you're doing for your glory. Lord, we do believe that your spirit is moving in at work as Joel 2... Uh, Chapter two says, verses twenty-eight and following, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit, and I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth: blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and it shall. Come to pass that everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, church, for being here this morning. We would love to pray for you. And so uh, if you would like prayer for whatever it may be this week, uh, maybe it's even just having courage to follow, listen and follow, uh, and be obedient uh, to the Lord's call, then uh, please come forward. We would love to pray for you. If you need prayer for healing, we'd love to pray healing for, over you as well. Uh, also, we're going to continue to keep this space worshipful. So if you would like to stay and, and sing another song or two of worship to the Lord, then we invite you to do so. If, if you would like to go and fellowship with uh, your other brothers and sisters in Christ, and please do so in the, in the fellowship hall and just allow those doors to close behind you. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.